This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by Ideal Poultry, Garlands of Grace, and our supporters at Patreon.com. The woman is the glory of the man. There is no doubt that the woman is a distinguished ornament of the man. For it is a great honor that God has appointed her to the man as the partner of his life and a helper to him, and has made her subject to him as the body is to the head. For what Solomon affirms as to a careful wife, that she is a crown to her husband, is true of the whole sex. If we look to the appointment of God, which Paul here commends, showing that the woman was created for this purpose, that she might be a distinguished ornament of the man. From John Calvin's Commentary on the Corinthians. For if the integrity of man had remained to this day such as it was from the beginning, that divine institution would be clearly discerned. And the sweetest harmony would reign in marriage, because the husband would look up with reverence to God, the woman in this world would be a faithful assistant to him, and both, with one consent, would cultivate a holy, as well as friendly and peaceful, intercourse. From John Calvin's Commentary on Genesis. Welcome back to Bright Hearth, everybody. Brian and Lexi are here after <laughs> many trials and struggles. Yes, we are. Both in returning from Reformation War Camp through the oh, snowpocalypse yeah. of 2023 in our trusty 12-passenger van. With the throw-ups. With throwing up children. Well, no <laughs> one was throwing up children. The children were throwing up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, and yep. Uh, But we made it. Unexpected stop in Colorado overnight. And then uh, we sat down to record this episode, and uh, our memory card our wasn't working. first memory card didn't work. <laughs> then I dropped it into a cup of water. It's still there. I'm the just The second one it. you dropped into a cup of so water. So <laughs> we're recording direct in a Logic Pro. Anyway, you guys don't need to know any of this, but today uh, we are continuing in season two here of Bright Hearth, talking about marriage as the heart of the productive Christian household. Last week, we talked about 10 things only a husband can do with this concept of you know, basically that there are things in your household, in your life, in your vocation that as a man and a husband, only you can do. And if you don't do them, nobody else can. Only you can be a husband to your wife. And, and so we talked about 10 of those things. Today, in a follow-up here, we're going to be talking about 10 things that only a wife can do. And I think we've got a good list here. Yeah, you. I didn't know it was 10. That's a lot. <laughs> well, you know, symmetry, symmetry. <laughs> Got to keep symmetry. Can't have the husbands, you know, have 10 and then the ladies have like 57 or or nine. That just, it would, it would mess with my aesthetic, you know. All right. Well, let's get moving. Then. Let's jump right into it, babe. What's our first one? Um, The first one that immediately came to mind for me was that only a wife is able to prepare herself spiritually, mentally, and physically for the duties that God has given her in relation to her husband and just what that means in living out the mission that both her husband and the Lord have set for their family. He can't make her get up and shower. He can't make her get up and read her Bible. Mm. He can't make her think joyful, happy thoughts or turn on a psalm when she's in a bad mood. There has to be a certain, like I think, motivation out of a love for God and love for other people that she is self-motivated enough to do these things. Yeah, that's a great great point. It's a great concept, I think. You, You even put in there that... So spiritually, mentally, and physically prepare herself. Nobody yeah. can do your spiritual work for you. No. Nobody can. We'll and I think this kind of sets the tone for all the other things we're talking about, too. That's why I put it at the front. Yeah, it, really, all the other things live under the umbrella of this first one. Mm-hmm. That only she can do her work with the Lord. Only she can walk in faith. You know, nobody can be a Christian for you. No, correct, yeah. Your husband, you could be married 
to the most godly man on earth, and if a woman will not pursue her own spiritual discipline, mm-hmm. it's not as if he can be as godly as pop. He can be so godly that you know all the other ladies in the church are like, I wish my husband was half as godly as him, and and you could still decide to be a miserable sinner as a wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no. Wouldn't recommend it. Uh, also, you said physically. Mm-hmm. Prepare herself physically. What do you What do you mean by that? Well, I think if you're living a robust life, you're probably going to be pretty busy. And I'm not saying, this is not saying like you need to have a six pack and your arms need to be toned. (laughs) That's not what I mean by this, but there might be certain seasons that you really do have to prioritize it over other seasons. I was even thinking about how the last thing I want to be doing right now is like getting out to walk once a day for 20 minutes in 20 degree weather. Right. But you and I both are under the understanding that that's what's best to keep me healthy these last couple of weeks yeah. so that I don't get worse. Not that I'm bad, but I mean, yeah, blood, things can get worse. We're talking in terms of just pregnancy, pregnancy energy levels. Trimester. We don't want to have like worse blood pressure issues. So even yesterday, or was it Saturday? I really, it was, I think it was Saturday. I did not want to, it was both Saturday yeah, and I, Sunday. Yep. I really wanted to just sit on the couch and read a book, Yeah, but I knew I would feel better if I listened to a book while I walked outside for like 15 or 20 minutes. So, um, you know, I asked you, are you okay with hanging out with the kids while I go for a quick walk? And of course you were willing. So I think that's another example of like, I could take the easy way out (laughs) and really enjoy my day off. But I also know that that also helps me be better fit for the, the duties that God has given me. So, yeah. And really those make everything else more pleasant. Yeah. And I did, I felt better. I didn't feel, I felt better than if I had sat on the couch for an extra 20 minutes. So Lord willing, we're actually going to talk about this in the next episode, uh, taking up the issue of, you know, self care. And it's a loaded term. I I know I hate that. I don't even like it. We're going to talk about it next week. And, uh, but one of the things that you find is that discipline begets joy. Yeah. And the failure of discipline, even though it promises comfort and ease. Yeah. Almost always over a long enough time horizon begets sorrow yeah. and pain. So that's a good one. That's a good umbrella to start with that ladies, only you can prepare yourself spiritually, mentally, and physically to walk in obedience to your God-given duties. So that entails understanding those God-given duties, understanding how you will need to be ordered spiritually, mentally, and physically in order to be able to do those duties. And there are elements of each of those that are important. And then uh, having the discipline to walk in those. Your husband can't do that for you. Nobody can do that for you. Your pastor can't do that for you. Only you can do that for you. Number two, what's the second one we've got on our list? Um, be her husband's lover. <clears throat> so. <laughs> I'm blushing. Only you should be having sex with your husband. <laughs> only so you can do that If you're not, for whatever reason, there's really nobody else that can fill that role. Yeah. So that's a very important ministry. Yeah, and, and this is, again, not to say that... Only, we've said this before when we've talked about the marriage bed. Uh, it's not to say that anytime your spouse sins, it's your fault. They're responsible for their own obedience to the Lord. That's always going to be true. There are some seasons where uh, the marriage bed is, for whatever reason, not as fruitful or not as frequent, uh, health issues, um, pregnancy, just gave birth to a child, sickness distance for work, things like that are always going to come and and be a part of the self-discipline of maintaining virtue and keeping the marriage bed pure and honoring it. 
But it's very important that a wife understands that this duty and this vocation that she has as her husband's lover, only she can do it, obviously. She obviously only wants to be the one to fulfill him sexually. But I think this this leads to some important questions that a, a wife can ask herself, like, am I eager to please my husband? Am I eager to be pleased by my husband? Am I responsive to his pursuit of me sexually? Am I thinking about my physical well-being and the way that I'm taking care of and presenting myself to my husband? Yeah, that's true, too, when you think about that last one and just that Calvin quote being an ornament. Obviously, there's a spiritual element to that, that beauty fades with age, but at the same time, you can and should be presenting yourself for your husband and not for somebody else. Yeah. (laughs) Like, who are you dressing for? Are you dressing for some other guy in the church or for your husband? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good, and even we've talked about this idea of uh, a wife essentially saying, okay, my husband is commanded, you know, take like in the Proverbs, I think Proverbs 5 is where I'm thinking of, where Solomon tells his son to delight himself in the breasts of his wife, a, a graceful doe that he is to keep his springs pure and pursue, that he's to essentially um, be intoxicated with her love, and so that's a command for his good that he is supposed to delight himself. There's actually a discipline there where a husband is to cultivate eyes only for his wife, desires only for his wife, but he actually is supposed to cultivate those kinds of desires for his wife. And so one question that I've always urged ladies to consider in this front is the question of, am I going out of my way to tell my husband verbally, non-verbally, in the way that I respond to him, in the way I initiate with him, that basically I want to be your sole source of sexual satisfaction. Are you t- do an inventory? Am I actually presenting that to him? Am I basically saying, come enjoy what is yours? Yeah. Lexi, what has been one of the easiest ways to turn a profit in our home in a way that's also fun for the kids? Good question. I think raising backyard poultry tops the list. We get lots of eggs and the kids always love helping take care of the chickens. If you're trying to get your backyard poultry operation started, check out Ideal Poultry. Ideal Poultry is the country's number one backyard poultry provider, and you can benefit from their work by visiting IdealPoultry.com and placing an order today. Again, that's IdealPoultry.com. Check them out and get some birds for your backyard. So the next one, I would say only the wife is able to be an eager helper in seeing her husband's mission fulfilled. I was thinking about this in contrast to either wives who were undermining the mission, simply being lazy and not doing certain things that they know their husband would like them to be doing or abdicating that role elsewhere that really is should not be abdicated to. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good one. Like thinking about the mission of your household And this is one that men should be thinking through, essentially, what am I trying, like, what target are we trying to hit? We've talked about this before on Bright Hearth. What target are we trying to hit together with the 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years the Lord gives us as a married couple to pursue obedience to the duties God has given us and also to see our household produce the kind of fruit that God has? Uh, You know, like things like children who believe the Lord, raised in the discipline of the Lord. Yeah. Things like an inheritance for my children's children. Things like uh, a place of hospitality for the church. Yeah. And, uh, things like a house that would overflow with good works, washing the feet of the saints. And 
And so ladies uh, can either help in seeing the mission of her husband especially fulfilled or not, right? She can be an active hindrance to him. She can actually, one of the temptations I think in Lexi, I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. I think some wives can be tempted to try and get their husband to make they themselves the mission. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, totally. What, what, is that, what does that look like? Uh, like a wife who wants her husband to pander to her all of the time or or a husband maybe because she's unwilling to uh, be a two-bucket woman, she's high maintenance and so he has to, he can't depend on her to be a hard worker. He just can't depend on her. He can't yeah. trust in her. She has to have, you know, certain shopping sprees, certain rest days, like she's just very, very high maintenance as opposed to, I think about the, Proverbs 31 woman or it's somewhere in the Proverbs mm-hmm. where it talks about the godly woman who's willing to work with her hands yeah. and to strengthen her arms. So, mm. um, yeah, that's what I, yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. I, I, even, you know, an example would be, I could think of an example. An yeah, example would be being frustrated at your kids all day. Then your husband gets home and you're brimming in that frustration towards him but you've done nothing about it all day except scroll Instagram. Mm. So when your husband comes home and says, well, how did you handle it? How did you change the mood? Did you give spankings? And you kind of just say, well, no, yeah. kind of shoot them away. I was yep. frustrated. You're not, you're not making the mission of your household, the actual mission in a practical way. Yeah. Righteous children. <clears throat> yeah. So for some, for some ladies, this really may mean like having your phone away for a good portion of the day. Absolutely. Um, especially once you get a certain number of children. Yeah. I definitely had more time for things like reading and listening to podcasts when I had less children, but I have to be very mindful now that I don't return a lot of texts during the day. And yeah, sometimes I forget altogether to return texts. Well, so, sometimes I, I remind people in the church of things like, you know, for most of human existence, the continual on-demand availability for communication was yeah. not uh, even possible. Yeah. So you you are you do not need to be a slave no. of your text messages and email. I'm not saying don't yeah. do your job. Yeah, no. No, there was a I they were a previous elders family at the church that now live in Moscow. But the the wife had told me that she really would intentionally delay responding to people sometimes because she said, I just don't want to train people that I have my phone on me all the time. Right. Yep. And that was kind of the first larger family that I saw a good example of and Um, it wasn't, she, she's still one of the most hospitable people I know with both her personality and her life and her home. So it wasn't like she was, um, closed off to people. It was just, she had to create that boundary so that her home could really become the first ministry. Yeah. It's like only you can be a mother at home. Only you can build the house. It's not the case that only you can solve other people's problems. Correct. They can reach out to their husband and other people. Yeah. I think another example of this, uh, like, being eager to help your husband see his mission fulfilled would think, think about your husband's vocation and some of the costs that come with it with his time or with his focus. There are going to be seasons where maybe your husband has to travel or when he has to work really hard or when he's just thinking about some aspect of his vocation, maybe he's starting a business, building a family business and, and the ladies are going to be asked to hold a weight. It's not the case that, that I do all the work in my vocation and Lexi doesn't. Yeah. It's not at all. I could not do the things in my vocation that I do yeah. unless Lexi gave me the freedom and encouraged me and said, you go and build our house. You go and you know, 
fulfill those goals, achieve those things, and I'll have your back. If she was like, oh, man, you, if you're not home, you know, for, uh, some ladies have this fantasy that their husband's going to be home all the time. And, <laughs> you know, it's like he's never going to have to travel for work. And sometimes he will. Sometimes that's actually what godliness looks like for him in pursuing his vocation. So this is very important. You know, things like serving the church is a cost to the family. Um, for many of you, you're not vocationally in ministry. Let's say your husband's going to go out and he's going to do a maintenance project for the church on a mm. Saturday morning. Yeah. And instead of being naggy and bitter, you think, wow, I'm glad to bear the cost of being with the children another mm-hmm. morning of the week that I could have been with my husband. Yeah. All right. So that's a Well, that leads into the very one. next one, yeah, number which four. is only the wife can be a cheerful spouse. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, think about the times you are, you're a very cheerful person. You always have been, but I just think about what a gift it is that you are willing to turn a cheerful prophet on really hard times, <laughs> even like last week. I mean, it was just honestly terrible traveling home. <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was very tough, physically demanding. <laughs> and I, but I kept thinking stressful. like, I knew I was trying to hold it together, but I also knew like I can depend on Brian to not lose it. And you did a great job of being, even though it was physically. <laughs> I only cried on for you. like two seconds, literally two seconds, and I stopped myself. <laughs> it was, it was, but um, and that was with a baby throwing up on her, literally, <laughs> while being trapped in a snowstorm. But you commented like that a cheerful spouse helps the other spouse fight bitterness. Yeah, and I think that's so true. Is it always helps me reorient what I think are like my problems and my complaints when I'm like, well, if Brian can handle this cheerfully, then. I can handle it cheerfully. So it's just a big gift that nobody goes through your trials uniquely in life Mm -hmm. like your spouse does. So nobody can uniquely be a source of encouragement. And you weren't like verbally cheering me on necessarily, but I just understood by your general demeanor and conduct that that in and of itself was a source of encouragement, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. And you know, think about, think about how, you know, all the other people in your life could be cheerful and kind at work, at church. But if you go home and your wife is bitter and unkind and unhappy, man, that's a miserable life. Well, and like she's supposed to be, what is, is it Song of Solomon talks about her being in Getty? Like a retreat, basically. Yeah. A beautiful garden retreat in the middle of a desert. Like, Yes. If your husband is in a tough season at work or just for physically in a tough season or mentally in a tough season, and then he comes home to you, mm-hmm. <laughs> always being mentally in a tough place also, it, it's just, it is an added burden to him. Yeah. So and Let me tie this. Actually, we're going to change the order of our notes here. I'm going to make number six, number five. So number five, directly connected to this is, is essentially only mm. the, a wife can make the home a place of warmth and safety. I'm here thinking specifically about the Proverbs about a nagging wife being like a dripping roof or better to live on the corner of your roof than with a bitter and angry wife, um, a quarrelsome woman. Only a, only the wife can make the... And I'm thinking about this because the husband obviously has a role in this, but in terms of the marriage and her duties, Titus 2 says that her central duty orbits around oikodespot, being a household manager. So she is being, you know, a lover of children and husband in Titus 2. And that means that she has enormous power in shaping the tone and the emotional energy of the home. Either a place of that you want to escape from as quickly as possible, or a place that you're like, man, I cannot wait to go home and be with my wife. 
Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to get around our dinner table, to get the kids in bed, to go to our marriage bed together, to you know enjoy each other, to talk about the day. And man, a lot of ladies completely underestimate the ability they have to make their children and their husband's life either hellish or a place of warmth and safety. What do you think would uh, tempt a, a woman um, or like maybe some lies that she might believe that would make her turn the home into a place of coldness or bitterness or just that quarrelsome spirit? I Probably being a martyr about things, I would say it's a big oh, one. Oh, that's so true. Um, that's so true. And maybe just part of it is, I mean, it's been different things in my life. I feel like part of it is like, I don't want to put the effort into training the kids to do that. So I still have to do that chore. Really, I should train them to do that, which takes more time on my part. Or even something recently over the weekend, we reworked some task lists for all the kids Mm -hmm. just to kind of iron out some issues we were seeing on Saturdays. But I know it's going to make things better. It was just me requiring me to put a little more effort in on the front end. Yeah. Um, So people, women can just really be martyrs in their home like well, if I only had that tool, then I could, you know, get that done. But instead I'll just complain every time I walk by that part of the room, you know? Yeah. Well, just order the dang tool and get the job done then. (laughs) Yeah. Get the job done. So I think, I think that's a huge, huge one is just like, okay, so take responsibility. Like God has given you as a woman authority in the home, exercise it. I don't know. That's just been a big one for me that I've seen. It reminds me of a dynamic in the man's vocation as well. Often that in the young children years for a wife and a mother, the temptation is high for her to be really stressed at home when her husband gets home, trying to telegraph to him how hard it is so that he doesn't take like take you for granted. Like, oh, he needs to know how hard this is, so I'm going to be really angry or bitter. And it's those early children years are genuinely incredibly, they're like a, they're like a kiln. They heat up, and it, it burns off impurities, and it gives you discipline and calluses. It's like early in a man's career, often he has to do the ashes work as Eric. Eric Kahn had a great episode on the Hard Men podcast about this, doing the ashes work, where you know a man early in his career, he has to serve. He has to learn how to be the underling. He has to learn how to do the hard labor. He has to learn how to not you know, be the guy in charge, but to take orders. And I mean, there's so many aspects early in the career where when you mature in it, you, your plate grows, you have more and more responsibility. It's still really hard work. But there's a time when you're like learning how to submit, learning how to do hard ashes work where you're being shaped. And so it's especially difficult in those early children years for wives often to make the home a place of warmth and safety. But you need to understand only you can do that. Well, and I think too, prayerlessness is a huge issue here because you can get in a rut of like, this isn't working. This isn't working. Complain, complain. Oh, it's not working. It's not working. Complain, complain. Instead of like, okay, Lord, obviously this isn't working. I'm going to take my complaint to you. Can you please give me some creativity here? And then I feel like at that point you can move forward with the Lord's blessing of, well, uh, Misty talks about this in terms of iterating if I'm remembering this correctly, Uh where you're solving for a solution, but it might not have been the right one. So you're going to iterate a little bit more the next time to get a better solution and a little bit more the next time. But the problem is that takes work to get there. Mm -hmm. So, and prayer, I do think it takes prayer and just like divine creativity. Naturally, I am not somebody that wants to sit on the computer and make charts and like 
lists for my kids. That's not, that doesn't play to my strengths, mm. but we have learned over the last couple months, it does play to my children's strengths. Though. Yes. Yes. So I've had to learn that discipline of like, okay, I'm going to do this <laughs> because it makes everyone happier yeah. and everyone knows how to be responsible in this situation. So I feel like yeah. number six now is actually what was number five. Yep. So only a wife can verbally and regularly encourage her husband's leadership. I mean, obviously your husband can receive praise from other places, but Mm -hmm. he is uniquely designed by the Lord to soak it up even more from a wife. (laughs) Yeah. And he's specifically leading her. Yeah. And so when that's true, when you think about the directness of of Paul's instruction in Ephesians five, it's very simple. He just says, wives see that you respect your husbands, which is like, don't just do it, but see that you do like, make sure See yourself, <laughs> set a watch, make sure that you're respecting your husband. And that's just, that's not just the absence of disrespect. It's also the presence of respect. <laughs> and men feel respect. 99.98% of us are creatures who feel respect most deeply, often verbally. Yeah. Hearing it. <clears throat> Yes, this reminds me, maybe this isn't a good example, but um, just talking to the kids, like when you're not around, when they ask like money questions, like, oh, are you going to spend your money on that or dad's money? And I often talk about just how, well, dad's a hard worker. Part of his job is making money. Part of mom's job is, you know, using that money for things, for food and clothing and stuff like that. I've really tried to respect you by creating a generous picture of you to the kids, mm, which is yeah. funny because now the kids are like, but dad, you have all the money in the world. Like <laughs> they have a view of you yes. that you are. They think like Mr. Money man. They think that I'm just hysterical. But at the same time, I want them like, I want them to have a high view of, I go to dad because dad blesses me. Oh, I'm not yeah. saying they get whatever they want, but but I want them to know where generosity comes from, and it's mm. from the hand of the Father. So, <laughs> oh, that's really good. That's actually, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't. I'm not here for some of this. So, uh, it well, is you've funny heard how them. You've yes, heard them they are always like talking about, <laughs> Dad. It's only ten thousand dollars. You can get it. I'm like, the, the uh, words "only" and ten thousand dollars really should not go you together. Have children. No perspective yes. on. Oh, <laughs> number seven is kind of a subcategory of respect. But in it, it corresponds to one of the things only a husband can do, where we talked about the husband making the call. Lexi, what yeah. are we talking about here with number seven? Well, I immediately, I think I've referenced this before. I think of that um, lecture with the red balloon guy. Andrew, Andrew Krapuchets? Krap- yeah. How did, I thought it was Krapuchetis. I don't know. I just, I say it different every time. <laughs> um, he was talking about how I remember listening to this when we were living with my parents. We hadn't yet broke ground on this house. And I think you were pursuing some like side business things with Pastor Dan maybe or something, but there was another wife in the church that her husband was also taking some side business adventures. And Andrew was talking about how Christians should be the best risk takers because we always have grace to fall back on. And that really helped me think through like letting you take a risk, but also again, because we have grace to fall back on, I will have your back if something doesn't go right. Yeah. Instead of like, well, that was a stupid decision. Why'd you yeah. waste that money? Number seven is only a wife can encourage her husband in taking risk. Oh, yes. Yeah. And making hard decisions. Yeah. No, that's that's exactly what we're talking about here. That only you, in the way that a wife can, can encourage her husband in making the call 
hard calls and hard decisions, moving, vocation, having children, all these things. And basically, you know, what you could just call having his back. Like once the call's made and he leads, a wife can either undermine him continually or she can encourage him so that he knows even if it turns out I made a mistake, I know my wife will still have my back. Like you said on the way back from Colorado, (laughs) we were... I talked about this in a Patreon episode mm. last week, but we we're, so we're stuck in Colorado in a big snowstorm, basically. Roads close all around. We could have kept going and tried to push for home that night or make an unplanned stop for the night. And, and basically, I knew I'm going to make the decision. And you told me, whatever decision you make, I have your back. That was basically what it was. And it freed me. It was like, I knew I had to make the decision either way. And I, you know, it's not like I wasn't going to, but it's when you know that yeah. you... Again, respect. When you know that your wife, whether or not you make the quote unquote right call, like she's not that, gonna nag yeah, you there were a lot of hard there were a lot of hard details about that that yeah. weren't making the decision very easy. We'll put it that way. Yeah. So it was like we needed the call needed to be made. And just knowing like it was another little encouragement to say, yeah. My wife's not gonna nag me. She's not gonna be like, Hey, good call, babe. <laughs> like if the hotel room turned out to suck or something. Or, or there turned or out to be no to hotel room. You know, <laughs> like stuff happens. Ladies, have your husband's back. Yeah. I think this is like the whole comeback with your shield or on yeah. it mentality. Understanding that your husband has things to do that are sometimes going to involve risk for the family because fulfilling the mission of a household is a risky thing that requires the taking and undertaking of risk. Yeah. So uh, C.R. Wiley is writing a book for us at New Christendom Press about this actually that uh, I think will really be helpful to a lot of people. But um, yeah, only she can encourage him in this particular way to say whether you make the right decision or not, I'm going to have your back. You're not going to hear about it from me forever. If it turns out that that job didn't work out or that thing, I trust you. I trust you. Which I I think kind of ties into the one you have listed as number nine is that only a wife is able to protect her husband's reputation and honor. Yeah, publicly and privately. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, only she can safeguard her husband's reputation with public and private honor. So you're not complaining to other people. And there's a difference between sharing a hard circumstance with somebody after the moment has passed. Obviously, you're not like in the middle of bitterness or something um, versus a habitual complaining if that makes sense yeah yeah a, a habitual dripping like i i know where i am safe to go and we've talked about this before too mm-hmm. like has your husband given you permission to go talk to that person about that yeah issue that you guys are having have you really done the best to like paint him in the best light even if it is hard circumstances yeah exactly like is does he is he thinking or knowing like yep my wife's gonna go discuss my every move with her girlfriends and she's going to talk about where I'm falling short, and I know they're all going to be looking at me with a side eye. Or is she going to honor me privately and publicly? And incur- And the thing is, ladies, a lot of times you think you might think that it's a tool that will help shape your husband if you complain about him to other people, because then you'll be like motivated to do good so that you won't. I don't even complain know how, about but- it. <laughs> Just so you know, that doesn't work. <laughs> it actually the opposite is true. If you honor your husband publicly and privately and safeguard the good his good name. It's also your good name number 1. Yeah. But number 2, he will rise to that. That's what I was going to say is he will rise to the occasion, but also yeah. 
like it's kind of it I don't have any other word for it except like gross and turned off when I yeah when I hear a wife complaining about her husband it's just like stop (laughs) yes and and you can talk to your you know you can seek counsel you can talk to your pastor but you know the difference right you need to know the difference the thing is though I have there's certain people that I have counseled where I'm like you're obviously going above and beyond respecting your husband right who is in sin Mm -hmm. and then there's other people that's like no you're not doing much to try and love your husband in this situation Yep. yep so yeah Number nine, and then we're going to end with number eight, actually. Number nine, ladies, only you can have his children. I mean, (laughs) we don't want to do any Hagar situations here, right? Well, I mean, apparently this does need to be said, though. I think, like, you can either have an attitude of great fear and trepidation at childbearing or of joy, and it really does undertake a willingness to give yourself away for the sake of marital fruitfulness. It, I mean, obviously, is pregnancy easy? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 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 No, I had a friend describing it to me yesterday. She was talking about, um, she has a bunch of kids, and she was talking about how there's, like, it, it's always, fertility is always a walk of faith. Either way, either, like, yeah. having a child, and then she's lost some children, and she has a, bo- a bunch. Um, but she was just talking about how, like, either way, it's still a walk of faith, you know, absolutely. If you lose a child and it's not easy on your body, it's a walk of faith. If you have a child you bring to term, yeah. that's physically a walk of faith. And then raising it is a walk of faith. And I just, I just really appreciated the perspective that she gave on that. Yeah. And it's such a temptation, I think, for ladies out of fear to be like, let's shut the door on the marriage bed. Let's be well, really overly fearful of fertility. That, I really do love Layla's <laughs> Layla on this topic because who's Layla? Layla Lawler. Oh, Layla what's her Lawler. website? <clears throat> like Mother Like Daughter blog. Okay, yeah. Um, she has the Summa Domestica trilogy, but she talks about how um, we never want to be in a place with our fertility decision. What would it be? Like, yeah, with our fertility planning and our yeah. fertility you know, activities. If, if you're fearful of your husband, <laughs> yeah, that's probably a problem. <laughs> yeah, if you're like fearful of his seed. Yeah. You're like, please keep it away from me. I'm not interested. So in some ways... I mean, go read the book Conception Control. I, I do find it very, very helpful. Philip Kaiser. Um, Kaiser. I'm still not a fan of pretty much any long-term solution as of yet, but yeah, I, I, I still think like you want to be opening, keeping that joy of hospitality open. Yep. So if that means compromising in some ways that you are. I guess I don't want to get into details on the the podcast yeah, about this, but at least not in this episode. But um, just be planning in such a way that you're also planning for hospitality towards your husband. I guess is yeah, what I mean. And you mean hospitality sexually in the context of fertility and yes, understanding that hospitality may lead to hospitality of a little person. Yeah, it does. And <laughs> this is the thing biblically, there's no disconnect between sex, marital sex, and the marriage bed and children. It simply is the case that the most direct connection between uh, uh, the marriage bed and uh, in the, in the Bible is the womb and children. This is a feature, not a bug. And so um, only you can have as children. Uh, don't, don't fear. Don't, don't give in to fear in that and then uh, end up being inhospitable. If you're married, this is part of the covenant. And then finally, in all of this, you're going to have lots of normal temptations and all these things. And so it's important for you to remember that only you can fight the normal garden variety sins and temptations that are sure to crop up in your life. Again, 
nobody can be a Christian for you. Yeah, I really liked how you put that, just that he he can't fight her sin for her. <laughs> yeah, you can't, and she can't fight his sin no. for him. You both need to recognize that only you responsible can fight your sin. Yeah. And uh, any any last words, babe, before we wrap up this episode? No, I don't think so. Excellent. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, we hope this has been helpful to you, this, this little two-part series on things only a husband can do and only a wife can do. Uh, if you enjoyed these episodes and you enjoy Bright Hearth and you'd like to help continue to make it possible, um, you can do that through our Patreon page, become a patron of the show, and also get access to a lot of great extra content, sometimes more granular practical content even. Um, we record a weekly episode called In the Kitchen where either the two of us together or one of us uh, on a solo show will work through either a case study, more details on a main topic, or just some another resource that we think would be helpful to you as you build productive Christian households of warmth and fruitfulness. Uh, there's a link in the description. It's pra- patreon.com slash brighthearth, I believe is what it is, brighthearth or brighthearthpod. There's a link in the description. We'd love to have you guys jump on there. If you sign up for, I think, two of the three tiers at least, we'll send you a free Feed the Patriarchy mug as our thank you. And you'll get access to that whole back catalog of In the Kitchen, which is over 40 episodes at this point. Um, and also, uh, if you're a patron, you get a significant discount on the ticket prices for our upcoming conference for New Christendom Press called You Are the Plan, which we'd love to have you join us for here in Ogden, Utah, June 8th to the 10th. And there's also a link for that that you can check out. But guys, we're just thankful that you've listened and shared this with your friends and left your most sincere five-star review wherever you're listening. We hope it continues to be helpful. Uh, God bless you and yours as you continue to pursue joyful, fruitful Christian households. We'll see you next time.